homeschool expert is here to equip you to homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. Visit homeschoolexpert.com for video and print resources. Helping you homeschool confidently is our host, Ann Crossman, and her guest expert for today's special broadcast. Hi, friend, and welcome to Homeschool Expert. I have been trying to get on Dr. Brian Ray's dance card for the past year, and I'm so glad to have him with us today. Dr. Ray is highly sought after as the founder and president of the National Home Education Research Institute, or NHERI, or NERI, depending on how you call it. And this past year has been especially busy for him with all the changes to education during COVID. For those new to NHERI, this organization has been surveying, compiling, and reviewing statistics for the past three decades that answer important questions like how do homeschoolers perform against peers on national exams, or how do we ensure homeschooling remains accessible to families of color? Dr. Ray taught professionally to middle school, high school, undergrad, and graduate students, and is a leading international expert with regard to homeschool research. He executes and publishes research through their peer-reviewed journal, Homeschool Researcher. He gives public lectures, testifies before legislatures, and serves as an expert witness on homeschooling courts. Brian, that is such a diverse spread of hats. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your story today. So thanks for being here. It's great to be here, Anne. Thank you. So glad you're here. Okay, so one of the projects I'm building with Homeschool Expert right now is trying to capture the legacy of homeschooling so I can preserve the story of what got us to this point for families who are just beginning their homeschool journey. I want to talk to the experts, the people who made homeschooling happen from the beginning. So before we dive into Neri and your work there, I'd love to know a bit more about your story and who you are. So how did you enter the homeschooling world and what got you from middle school teacher eventually to homeschool expert witness? Mm, okay. We only have an hour, but so here we go. <laughs> I, I've all, ever since I was a child, I loved animals. I like watching animals, studying spiders, looking at their spider webs, watching them catch insects, you know, playing with snakes, all those things. I, I would have tropical fish and, and turn off the lights in the room and paint them with watercolors and all those things. And I love Tarzan stories and animals in Africa and all those things. But I also liked teaching children. When I was in high school, I went down to local uh, elementary school and I tutored children. So I don't know, oh, some, you know, you know, God put something like that into me. Yep. So we go through bachelor of science in biology, uh, travel for half a year, then a master's degree in zoology and studying pack rats in Ohio, even though I was from <laughs> Oregon. I uh -huh. literally, that's what I did. Neotoma Floridana, uh, wow. ecology. I loved ecology and all those kinds of things. And then after my, you know, right during that time was when Betsy and I got married. And then I started thinking about do I want to work in a lab all my life? I'm a little extroverted. Um, <laughs> and the idea of just sitting in a lab and, and doing research on some, you know, root, foot rot or, you know, something like that didn't appeal that I want to try te teaching. So um, I got a teaching degree, taught for a few years, but then after a while, routine for a long time is not my bailiwick. So I thought <laughs> I want a new challenge. Yeah. I always like academics also. So I went back for a PhD in science education at Oregon State University. Hmm. While I was there and uh, you know, don't make this story too long, uh, I met some people who were looking for a teacher to teach some children. And hmm. they were basically hippie 70s. <laughs> <laughs> one room schoolhouse, homeschoolers, homeschoolers, yeah. you know, well, and we, this is, we, 
Eugene, yeah. Oregon. Where are you? This is uh, this is uh, Corvallis, Oregon. Corvallis, Corvallis okay, Oregon. Yeah, I can yeah, picture yeah. that. Yeah, not, okay. not far away. Okay, yeah. so it was. We didn't have that word back then, and I started thinking this is kind of interesting. I, by the way, I think I turned down a job. I said no, I need to focus on my doctoral studies and and all these things. But I started looking for anything that had been done academically mm-hmm. on this home-centered stuff, you know, there was not much, there was hardly any research. So I put together a paper as part of my doctoral uh, studies and papers. And all of a sudden I was some kind of expert. So (laughs) if if you, if you do something that nobody's doing, you become an expert, right? Yep. Yep. Now that was around 83 ish, four ish. I don't know. Sure. 1985. If anybody can believe this, 1985, I started the journal homeschool researcher. Hmm. It was a piece of paper, you know, eight by 11 stapled in the top left corner. Yep. Black font. That was homeschool researcher. That was it. So what is that? 35 years ago, going on 36 years ago. That's fantastic. And then again, I wanted to do research and compare homeschool to public school to private school students in, a, in the field of science education. And my committee said yes. And then later, magically, they said, no, I can never prove this. I think they did not want somebody studying homeschooling. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. So I said, OK, I'm not going to win this battle. <clears throat> I finished my Ph.D. research on something else, public school only. But as soon as they handed me to my diploma, I published on homeschooling. And the rest is history. That very same, <laughs> that very, that very same spring, 1988. I'm in Oregon. Mm-hmm. The NBC Today Show, in New York City, calls up and says, "We want to fly you out here, put you in the studio, and you're going to be on with the president of the NEA, the National Education Association oh, Teachers yeah. Union." And I'm just a little nobody, and I'm still a little nobody. <laughs> and I thought, "Well, this is crazy." And they flew me out there, and I quote debated her for seven minutes. And again, it just it just skyrocketed from there and homeschooling, you know, took off and yes, research on homeschooling took off and I got to do a lot of research and it's been a blast. And yeah, it's been a blast. And I was coming into homeschooling just about the time you were publishing that paper. So it was early 80s that um, mom pulled me out of a toxic school situation that and we, you know, a lot of families just don't have options. It's not like we can go to private school. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. pulled me out of that situation. And it was kind of a dangerous area town and the public schools mm-hmm. weren't great. And she just didn't have options. And so she mm-hmm. kept me home and the grandparents were all against it. They just kept mm-hmm. saying, you're going to ruin your kids. You're going to ruin them. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think she ruined us. I think I think it worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we are. So in keeping then with that idea of legacy, can you help paint a picture for us? Where has homeschooling been compared to where we are today? I mean, you're talking hippies in Oregon, and now mm-hmm. suddenly we got Harvard professors homeschooling their kids at home. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how did all this happen? Oh, my. So I, I think it's very important for people to remember that when those days we're talking about, the t- that starting point when I was doing those papers, there were, there were parents being threatened with jail. There were parents mm-hmm. being handcuffed. There were families I know personally, I'm not going to get too much into personal stories here, but <clears throat> personally. Personal stories had, are good. Had, Go for it. Had, yeah, yeah. We're gonna be, I want to be careful about certain things though as a researcher. I understand. I understand. <laughs> okay, okay. But had plans like, how do, what do we do if, if somebody comes to the door yeah. and, and we have an escape route to Canada or something? Yeah. I mean, literally, I'm not making this up. These are in Oregon. Washington. So even at that time, I want people to realize, and even back then, there was a variety in homeschooling, demographically, philosophically, Mm -hmm. theologically. Uh, As as a researcher guy, I was receiving uh, 
10 by 12 manila envelopes with the metal clasp on it with rainbows, like rainbow and stickers that said, kids, kids live now. <clears throat> but I was also re, you know, receiving messages saying, Jesus saves and God told me to homeschool. So, you know, it's very, the diversity in some ways has always been there. Good. I think, but yeah. what we're seeing now over the years and years and years and years, <clears throat> for many years, it was uh, homeschooling, the face of homeschooling was very disproportionately white Anglo, mm-hmm. very middle class. Some some negative critics have tried to portray it as, as wealthy. That's never been true. Let me right. tell you that. No. Uh, I'll tell you that. Uh, and and single, it tended to be- income households that are homeschooling are yeah, not yeah. wealthy. Yeah, no. Yeah. And it tended to be more suburban and more rural. Okay. Now it has changed tremendously, especially in the last 10, 15 years. So we now have about According to federal government data, which I don't always believe, by the way, but anyway, uh, about 41% not white Anglo. Mm. Uh, it's still on average, and we're going to talk about average versus a variety, okay, <laughs> variation. Yeah. It's still on average, very, very middle income. Um, it's still but 41% on, of homeschoolers, just to clarify. Not, not, white, not, white, not white Anglo. Last, yep. the federal government did a survey, okay. Yep. Um, still, still pretty much. You know, maybe the parents are a little bit above, you know, formal education level, but not strikingly, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. much more in terms of uh, black, uh, African-American, Hispanic uh, homeschooling than before. Now, what we do see is that with the variety, we have much greater numbers, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's more obvious. So so whereas maybe maybe 20, 25 years ago, you could say, well, they're either right wing Bible thumpers or they're left wing Birkenstocks raised goat in the country. You know, <laughs> it's it's never really been that. But but it's much less that way today. And mm-hmm. and now it's m- much more proportionately urban, suburban, rural, more more proportionally different skin colors and ethnicities, more proportionally different uh, religious faiths. You know, you've got atheists, agnostics, Roman Catholics, Buddhists, Muslims, Mormons, Jews, Christians. You've got everything. You can go online. People know this. You can go online and search any special group you want, special interest group you want. And it's there. It's there. So I I know some, a couple of years ago, some of my friends were saying, well, homeschooling is mainstream. I don't know. Up till a couple of years ago, I was saying homeschooling is an option to the mainstream. Yep. I'm not sure I would still even call it mainstream. I know for marketing, people want to say it's mainstream, uh, but it's still a minority. Let's face it. It's, it's, it's grown huge. It's grown what's our, huge. What's our national percentage now? I saw as high as 17% listed somewhere, but that can't yeah, be right. I don't think so. Like no, around no, no. 11 or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, we, we were before government lockdowns a year and a half ago. Uh, we were at maybe 4%. And, right. and some data indicate... Uh, a doubling overall. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm going to argue with some of my friends, but uh, <laughs> let's just say if it was four and if it doubled, that's more like eight, nine, 10. We'll see. We'll see. You know, research is, is kind of fun and fascinating because you don't know usually until maybe a year or two afterwards. And in this case, maybe will be more like four months. So the sure. census, census Bureau uh, a year ago started a new experimental survey, the Pulse survey. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are using that to try to figure out things, but it's a little complicated, okay? Right, statistics um, is not straightforward when you're averaging. No, like which, no. which average did you use? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think maybe by October, if the Census Bureau keeps doing the Pulse survey, 
we're going to have a lot better handle on what the numbers are. But yeah. my best estimate, people can look online at nheri.org. And you know, I, I think that before the government lockdowns, maybe around March of 20, uh, you know, it was something like 2.6 million K-12 homeschool students. And then by March of 2021, it had come close to doubling, maybe four and a half, five million. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to see because those major lockdowns have been eased some, although we have no idea what they're going to do uh, with, the, right. with the government, the government schools. Uh, but remember the, the private schools have more leeway and that isn't out for those who do not like or tired of the, all the changes in public schools. So we'll see what happens this fall. Yeah. And the definition of homeschooling is changing so much too right now that I have to think that's making it difficult to manage you know, how are we tracking who counts, who, who counts as a homeschooler, right? Is the kid who is learning from home, but using the curriculum online through his school system district, right? Is that homeschooling? It's like, well, it, it's, a, that's part of why the numbers are murky, right? Yeah. It's a very, that's a very good point. And, and, you know, even before these, these government lockdowns and restrictions, there were people who were, who were debating, arguing about whether they were or were not homeschoolers. I'm sure you're aware of that. Oh uh, yeah. State-sponsored versus private yeah, schools, yeah. Yeah, all that. Yeah. <laughs> And I think for me, I, I know you have maybe a little bit different definitions, but uh, when I look at terms of 40 years of research, 40 years of, of nomenclature, I think thousands of years of history, yes. uh, homeschooling, when I say homeschooling, just for the sake of our conversation, I mean parent-directed, home-based, private mm-hmm. education, homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And and the other things like, you know, distressed schooling at home or, <laughs> or, 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 you know, I think public schooling at home, it's not a derogatory term, it's just it's just the public school is in charge. Yep. Your child is enrolled in the public school and you're doing a lot of stuff at home. Yeah. Uh, and then even before the, the government lockdowns of last year and a half, we had some uh, correspondent schooling. And, you know, that, that was a little murkier. What's correspondent schooling? Well, OK, if it's government run, a, it's public school at home. If it's private. Eh, maybe you want to call it homeschooling because you're at home with mom and dad. You maybe you're paying for a curriculum. So, but anyway, we don't need to spend a lot of time on that. But you're right. If we do not define that as scholars, then nobody knows what we're talking about. I'll have to say this for the Census Bureau: they did clarify their question after their oh, after that. their survey. Yeah, after their survey first came out around whatever March of 20, they realized, whoopsie, we need to clarify this a little bit. So they're yeah. they're distinguishing and saying homeschooling, not enrolled in a public school, not oh, enrolled good. in a private school. So they're good, clarifying I, on I that. I read the results that came out in 20 and I thought, I have, th- this isn't going to be helpful information. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. You were right to, to be watching that. Okay, good. So then what excites as well as concerns you when you're considering the possibilities of home education in the future? I mean, you've seen it start from parents, you know, thinking about handcuffs and back doors to Canada, but it's a whole new world now, sort of, but we still have you know, folks, uh, you know, and Mike Smith and I were talking about this recently with HSLDA and he was saying, you know, we still have, um, folks who do not champion homeschooling and would like to see it go away. So looking at the horizon, what are, you know, the possibilities and concerns? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as far as possibilities, I, I think this way, uh, so I've been in a lot of court cases. I've testified to legislatures. I talk with many professors of education, certified teachers, and I think, and if you leave the H word out of it, homeschooling, and you just ask people, anybody, somebody who's gone through institutional school, somebody who's been a government certified teacher, somebody who's a professor of education, you say, hey, you know, what's usually best for children? Mm-hmm. Do, they usually, do they usually learn more in a group of 28 
with one adult or a group of three or four with one adult? Well, right. Yeah, of course. It usually a small group. You know, we yeah. all know small groups usually are better. Yeah. Uh, you say, well, you know, what's better for children? Uh, a curriculum and and a, an approach that's aimed at the middle person, whomever that is, or one that's customized to each child's strengths, mm-hmm. weaknesses, limitations, desires, dreams. Well, of course, it's the customization better. You know, I mean, we all know that in, in, in institutional schools, if a child has, quote, special needs, what do they do? An IEP, individualized, right. da, 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 da. Okay, and then you say, well, what's usually better for children if, if the environment, the teacher, the, the, the curriculum is flexible or inflexible? Well, of course, if it's flexible, you know, and then you say, well, what if, what's better for children if the teacher, the adults with them uh, really don't care that much? They're mostly interested in a paycheck and getting the job done or somebody who cares for them deeply. Well, of course. Now, you see, that's a tricky way to go because you go down that list of questions then somebody's going to say, yes, 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 to all these things that are systemically by nature, parent-directed, home-based education. Right. And that's good for children at the very core. And that's good for children. So right. on and the you horizon, were, yeah. but you were, but let me interrupt for a sec. So yeah, you were yeah. a middle school and high school teacher though. So I am, I'm certain that you cared for your students. I taught professionally too. And mm-hmm. for mine, mm-hmm. but even if we had wanted to, there's no way in a classroom of 20, 30, 35 to customize in 45 minutes to 30 something kids. Yes. The lesson yes. plan. So even like in this, so I mean, I'm not trying to disparage teachers, the best intended we have tried, I have tried, cannot reach a hundred percent of the kids a hundred percent of the time. So I'm just echoing what you're saying. Cause I know you've taught as well. Thank you. And, and I'm glad you interrupted because I'll talk forever. So you got to, you're right. I mean, this is not what I just said is not an attack on teachers. It's right. not. They, right. You can't do it. You just cannot do it. And institutional schools were not formed necessarily at the best interest of individual children. And we could spend a lot of time on that, but people should go read books like John Taylor Gatto and The Underground History of American Education and, and Rush Dooney's Messianic Character of American Education and, and Kevin Novak, uh, Abolition. You know, go read that. But this is not an attack on teachers. Teachers do, a lot of teachers do great. A lot of teachers are lazy. Hey, whatever. They're, they're, it's, it's a profession. It's You've people. got the great, yeah. you got the good ones, you got the bad ones, whatever. So, but, but these things are a part of home-based education. I'm not saying all parents do it great, mm-hmm. but by its very nature, it's available. Home-based education is amenable to all these good things. So that's a big picture of, hey, when I see maybe instead of, two and a half million being home educated, I see 5 million. I'm very happy for those individual children. I'm very happy for those families. I'm very happy for those communities, those states, that nation. I'm very happy for them. So that's a really good thing. You know, I had moments as a teacher when I wish that's like, I would pull a kid aside at the end of class just for five minutes because the light bulb clearly did not go on for this one. It's mm -hmm. like, if I can just have five minutes with you, I know we'll get you there. And we get him there. I'm like, oh, he walks away. He's smiling. And I'm thinking, only I could homeschool you. <laughs> yeah, that's so all much you, easier. <laughs> that's all you needed. Uh, in in one uh, court case, I went in and observed uh, in the public school classroom, and and the principal told me this is the best teacher ever. She's the best. She's got the modern technique. She's she's with it. She's with the kids. They do small group cooperative learning. All you know, all the stuff. Yeah, I watched all day with my yellow pad and my you know my notes, and if any one child got even. 
63 seconds with this teacher one-on-one, that was almost miraculous. They don't get it. They don't get it. And you can't do it in, yeah. a, in an institutional classroom, but in homeschooling, you get to do that all day long. And, and if a child, uh, let's say a 10 year old is finished with, let's say you do formal academics, <laughs> but we have all kinds of homeschooling, you know, you're, you're finished with mathematics, you're finished with reading and language in an hour and a half. Right. Now, now the child gets to read. Whoa, read. What's that? Get to read, <laughs> get to read freely, read fun. Has time to read for fun, uh, time to go outside and observe earthworms digging around in the earth, you know, trying to play with twigs and flowers. You know, it's incredible. Learn how to happens. scrub the garage floor. Yeah, I mean, all those things, <laughs> all those things. Yeah. yeah. So concerns, you know, what are some concerns? Hmm. With all of this growth, there's so much available to homeschoolers. I, I tell people, if you're thinking about homeschooling or really let's flip this around. Okay. If you never stopped homeschooling, mm-hmm. you know, you gave, you gave birth to a child, you raise a child yeah. here. She's three years old, four years old, five years old. You've been teaching them the colors. They've been learning how to talk with you, right. how to tie the shoes, how to put on their socks, you know, how to cook, bake, and you don't send them away to be institutionalized. I tell people who are new to the concept of homeschooling, Relax. Mm-hmm. People need to relax. Mm-hmm. Um, something that Betsy and I have noticed is over the last 10 years or so, even within the homeschool community where you have the opportunity to relax and enjoy your children and have learning be enjoyable, not always fun, but enjoyable. People are getting so hyped up, so peripatetic like cockroaches <laughs> when you flip the light on and now they want to be homeschool mom homeschool dad and soccer mom and everything mom and take the test kids please relax and enjoy yeah. your children really yeah. i'm i'm serious about you this need to sign up for three co-ops a week no you don't, don't do need that. to do that yeah. it's yeah. it's make it think about it more as a way of life you know so am, I, am i yeah am i lowering the academic hurdle that's not what i'm trying to do well, no, there's all this great research showing how important it is to give kids free space and time to play, because if they're yes. not bored, then they're not going to invent. And if they don't mm. have time to play, they don't have time to discover. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have time to be with peers in a non-structured setting, how do they learn how to be a leader, how to be a follower, mm-hmm. how to creatively use their time? There's so much value that comes from Thank you. play. Thank and I was you. just talking to a, a new homeschool mom about this the other day. She has no homeschool resources in her town and she wants to start a new um, academic co-op. And I said, well, that's great. But before you do that, what about a play-based co-op where you just meet every week at the park for the kids to play and go on field trips and mm-hmm. Valentine's day parties and explore. And she goes, no, 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 we have to have academics or the parents won't come. It's like, well, can I push back on that a little bit? Can, yes, like, can yes. you talk about play and the importance of play? And mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. so glad you said that, Brian. And can we just spend time together as, as yeah. mom and dad and, and children and, and the neighbors and, you know, I hear all kinds of things from people, all kinds of arguments. We talked just briefly before we started recording and about faith, you know, faith-based homeschooling, all that. And here's a classic example, a Christian parents or the, the negative critic of the Christian family will say, but how will you ever have time with other people if you don't put your kids in public school to teach them about the gospel? Wait a minute, you have a home. You have neighbors, you have friends, Mm -hmm. or let's say you're not a Christian say, well, how are we going to ever be able to do this? If the kids are not in school all day with peers, you've got a house, invite them to your house, 
play well, in the backyard the afternoon you've got soccer teams you can join from time to time mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so they can do something yeah i think also there's a, a little bit of a danger again with relatively new homeschoolers or some especially people have had their children in institutional schools now they're taking them out again they get all hyped up i don't know what other word to use these days calm down focused very hyper focused but, yeah yeah find <laughs> find three or four veteran homeschoolers Yes. And if any one of them says to you, there's only one way to homeschool, run away from that one. Okay? <laughs> and then, then find yeah. three more, find three more who give you ideas and, mm-hmm. and options. Because remember this, this thing called home education is not just about your little Billy. This thing, home education is also about mom and her dad, the family, the particular community you live in, the particular associations you have. So it's it's an education that's customized to this unique constellation that's this family. Yeah. And I and think everybody, you, everybody's yeah. got to remember that. I'm glad you hung on that mentoring piece because uh, one of the trends that I'm seeing right now is that a lot of the new homeschoolers in an effort to build community of shared experience, which has its own value. So I'm not not jumping all over that, but their sole community is all new homeschoolers. And so when they mm, run into a problem mm. with math, for instance, they'll throw it out to the group. Hey, my math curriculum's not working anymore. What are you guys using? And so it's yeah. this, this consortium of newbies helping yes. each other, encouraging yeah. each other, but there's no mentor mama or dad in there saying, Hey, you shouldn't skip math curriculum. Like you shouldn't switch math, math curriculums more than three times in your kid's academic career. You're going to have gaps. Yeah. Thank and, you. And other things, right? So it's so yeah. important that and if families don't know mentors, or like you're saying, if, if they can only find the diehard, there's my way or the highway mm-hmm. mentors, right? That's why I made homeschool expert is mm-hmm. so that families have a starting point and from mm-hmm. there can build mm-hmm. and customize however they want. That's good. And yeah, I mean, there's a word that's been around a long, long time. It's called wisdom. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry, not, not all 28 year old parents have a lot of wisdom yet about yet. Raising, raising children, you know, raising children and, and academics. And so, oh my, and there is so much wisdom in the experienced pioneer and or settlers. You have all these terms, you know, on the homeschool movement, but there's so much wisdom there. I mean, these, these are moms and dads who are now in their sixties. Right. And wow, that sounds old, doesn't it? So in their sixties <laughs> and early seventies who have been through all of this, and, and they know they're not perfect, but they have huge amounts to offer yes. people in terms of what you can do or how do you deal with, I've got seven children now and what do I do? Or, well, I only have one and she's a spoiled little brat, single child. You know, what do I do? Only child, whatever you call them. There's so much wisdom out there and you need to look for those. And if you've got your social media group and, and you're all kind of like new, new homeschoolers, like you said, you're missing something. You're really missing something. And I want to encourage people. I know for some folks, you know, hands-on paper is old fashioned, but if you can get to an in-person home education conference, go, you gotta go. There's nothing like it. You're going to meet people, touch, hug, have coffee together. And you're going to hear from some experts who've been around some five years, some 30 years. It's incredible. You'll see you're not alone. Yeah. People should go to those every year in your, in your state organization, uh, homeschool organization. There's so much to learn there from these people who've been around for a while. 
Yeah. No, we didn't do this though. Cause you've mentioned Betsy's name a couple times and then you said mm-hmm. seven kids and it, tell, tell me about your family, the quick snapshot. I, I know about your family, but the friend snapshot, snapshot. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So we know that you're the real dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dad. So, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a researcher guy, researcher guy, you know, science guy and, and professor guy, former professor guy. And, and I was blessed tremendously. The Lord gave me Betsy and she's incredible. Amazing. Uh, we have uh, seven daughters and a son. And way back and way back, this is close to when you were born. Uh, <laughs> Betsy was also getting a teacher certification mm. at the same time that I decided, oh, I'm going to go try that too. You know, I want to try different things. She came home from student teaching one day in Portland, Oregon, first grade, grade classroom, a good teacher, decent classroom, whatever. and she was pregnant with our first child. This is before we'd ever heard. Well, anyway, she said, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're never going to put them in school like that. That was before we ever heard of homeschooling. Mm. So you're you're talking like parenthood. This is real because you have eight kids and you'd be homeschooled Mm -hmm. all of them. Mm -hmm. None of them went to institutional school through what we now call 12th grade. Yeah. We're, we're so different, you know, it's hard to even say 12th grade because what does that mean? <laughs> you know, you know, I think it's, it's fascinating to hit it philosophically to look at Americans and other nations around the world. Hey, look at this. Thousands of years, people did parent-directed, home-based education, and right? Right. And, and in the United States, people don't realize, I had to go study this on my own, even though I have a PhD in science education. Home-based education was the norm until about 1900. Okay, right. that's over that's over a hundred years after our formal they developed founding. school because both parents were in the factories working and no one oh, was home any longer to educate the kids. There were so many reasons that were not all good for why you would put your child in an institutional school. But hey, even by 1900, the children, it was a majority, but they would only go for a few months a year to institutional school and maybe only a few hours per day. Right. So the rest of the time they were still around mom and dad. They, and people say, oh, that's just because they were all farmers. No, it's not. <laughs> they were not all farmers. There were cities back then, everybody. Would you wake up and read your history? There were cities, even though they had cities and they had concentrations of people, they still home educated their children. Uh, it was because they knew that was the job of the family. And when you go read things like the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, you're going to see things in there that sound like advocacy articles for home education. It's just describing reality of what people believed and did. So anyway, yeah, I mean, if people stop and think about it, I tell people, why did you stop homeschooling and send your child away to be taught, trained, and indoctrinated by other people? We have to flip the question around in. So, and then people get offended and even professors of education and doctoral students, they get get offended by the word indoctrinated. So I try to say, hey, wait a minute, stop, stop, stop. All education, whether it's private institutional school, public institutional school, or homeschooling teaches, trains, and indoctrinates children. Well, what we talk about at home is everyone has bias. Nobody's exactly. bias. We all have bias, so we have to start there. And if we can't say we have bias, then we're not being honest with ourselves. We have we to end. We have, have to bias. And, and mm. I know at least as our family is concerned, we have spent the first, and it depends, right? Every kid's going to be different. But um, for our firstborn, we home educated him for eight uh, through up through eighth grade. And I love what you're saying about grades. Cause it's like, you ask a homeschooler, what grade you're in? You're like, well, in math, I do sixth and in English, yeah. I do fourth and yes. in science. I do. Yes. Um, but he, uh, the, our family goal, like our personal goal is we wanted to give him a 
public education experience, not because we valued the academic side of it, but because we wanted him to have a chance to test out his beliefs and his worldviews while still living at home so that he could come home with those conversations that my teacher described it like this. I don't understand. That's different what, than what I mm-hmm. thought I knew. And so mm-hmm. he could test his own theories and thoughts and um, ways that that I wouldn't be able to challenge him here. So mm-hmm. I know you're using the word uh, indoctrinated, but yeah, there are, there's definitely bias and teaching our kids how to handle bias, I think is mm-hmm. really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the word, I, I chose that word purposely because it, it, it does have a tinge of inflammatory nature to it. However, people should just go look at dictionary definitions, all indoctrination. <laughs> On the other hand, all, one, one definition is you're trying to put doctrine or propositions. Or doctoral or yeah, yeah, you're you're yeah. trying to put doctrine into your children. And let's face it, government school curriculum puts doctrine and propositions into children's heads. So does private school, whether it's Muslim, Christian, Jew, whatever. You know, so that's that's the nature of education. That is what yes. education is. So and there are can, tremendous and can, opportunities. And we could go way down that rabbit hole and that'd be fun. So I should have oh, you back. Another day. That. Okay. Yes. Could, yes. But I want to make sure that friend, our friend hears about Neri and we don't like completely lose that opportunity. <laughs> okay. So I want to dive more into your work there. And and I gave a brief description at the beginning about what Neri does, N-H-E-R-I.org. But yes. could you flesh that out a bit more for our friend listening today? What is the N-H-E-R-I and what is your role there now? Okay. Thank you, Anne. Yes, we do basic research. That means we collect data, statistically analyze it, write it up, and publish it. We publish in professional journals, and some we just publish online. So basic information on homeschooling. We've been studying, following, observing, analyzing the homeschool movement and the people in it. Remember, I studied pack rats for my master's degree. So these are <laughs> human beings are my are my uh, my subjects now of, mm-hmm. of study, and and it's fascinating. So we do that. We also collect and and keep track of research by anybody and everybody all over the world. Research on homeschooling, and we act as a clearinghouse of research. You can go to our website and find all kinds of things. We're working yeah. on making it a little easier to use, and then we also deal with the media. So a lot of journalists call us to find out about what's going on with homeschooling. Uh, We testify to legislatures, help homeschool organizations. So really we're trying, first of all, to be honest, candid, sound, objective as possible research and facts on homeschooling. As you said, by the way, you didn't say this, but I will say it. Every even every researcher has a theoretical framework. Yes. You can call that bias, but let's face it: every researcher, whether you're a, you know, a family systems guy or gal at such and such university, whether you're a critical race theory guy or gal at such and such university, every researcher has an angle. Mm-hmm. So don't let ever let anybody fool you that researchers are just like Dr. Spock on whatever that was, uh, that, <laughs> that TV Trek, yeah. show. Thank you, Star Trek. Like no emotion, no no biases. So we do research and we present it. And, and really we can be thankful to God that in under his sovereignty, homeschooled children on average and do very well academically, mm-hmm. socially, emotionally, and into adulthood. And so this kind of information 
is very helpful to help the, uh, the world, the public understand that this is at least as sound of an education academically by standard measures. And we can spend an hour on each of these topics uh, as institutional schooling. So that's very helpful with judges, with legislators, with policymakers, with the media, with negative critics, with grandma and grandpa who are cranky about this, or, you know, church leaders or friends. It's, it's helpful to have empirical evidence to talk about home-based education. I'm sure you've got a massive government grant that backs all this too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't. Thank you for asking. We, we do not. We, it's been many, many, many years since we got a single involvement in, in a tax funded research. So we depend on donors flat out. We depend on donors. So it's a nonprofit. And when people give money to Nary, uh, you can do whatever is legal tax deductible and all that, but we depend on people to support us. I mean, think about this at, at the universities, the state universities, even most private universities, they're totally vested in public government, public school education. So there is not much incentive to anybody to do research on homeschooling in a sense. Right. Uh, so we want to stay the leading think tank. That's, that's a way of putting it. We're, we are basically a think tank mm-hmm. that studies homeschooling. Yeah. And pe- people help us to do research right now. This is a very heavy, very interesting study. One of the big negative attacks on homeschooling has been the allegation, the allegation without evidence that homeschooling somehow people are hiding, doing bad things to their children. Right. Child so, yeah. yeah. So right now we're in, we could talk about that too, Ann, someday. Oh, I'll have, right to now, have you come back for a whole thing on that. Cause I know yes. parents have questions, but that's like, we got to devote yes. a whole hour to that. Yes. <laughs> well, right now we are doing ba- a big study on this and we're comparing the abuse and neglect rates of those who are home educated to those who are in public schools and private schools. And I do not know exactly what we're going to find. In fact, I don't know. But Which this is, is gonna, good because if you knew what you're going to find, that's a problem right there. With yeah. You. Thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is a big deal, big study. So be on your good. toes. I want you to come uh, back when it's done and share that with us. That that is really important. Thank you. Um, yeah. So so friends who are listening who want to be supportive of a think tank and who want to see the research and homeschooling continue in a way that supports families can look for you at nheri.org and participate in sharing the load there by funding your work. So that's good. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, so you kind of led into this, so I'll, I'll keep going with it. At the beginning, I gave two teaser questions and I'd love to come back at them, back to them at this point. How do homeschoolers perform against their traditionally educated peers when it comes to national exams or college and career success, grades, that sort of thing? Okay, now this is a researcher. I've got to say this. Before I answer it, I want to say this. First of all, First of all, Anne, keep in mind that homeschoolers do not necessarily teach to the test, right? Right. Not in fact, we, most don't. I just talked about most don't. Day. He's like, yeah, we never mm-hmm. talk about tests. I just tend to them mm-hmm. national exams mm-hmm. and they take mm-hmm. it. Yep. Yeah. So in, in the world of testing and measurement in psychology and education, a test is supposed to be what's called valid and reliable. Okay. <laughs> valid means it measures what the test developer says it measures. Like a bathroom scale. It's supposed to weigh, you know, measure your weight in pounds, right? And if it's actually measuring how much perfume is in the air, it's not a valid bathroom scale. (laughs) It's not a valid bathroom. Okay. Second point, it's supposed to be reliable. That means if you step on the bathroom scale and it says 112, you step off, you step back on, it says 138, you step off, step back on, it says 19. It's not reliable, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So before I answer the question, like you said, Homeschoolers are not necessarily teaching to these tests. Many of them don't. But here's the big deal. 
on standardized academic achievement tests, homeschool students are scoring consistently 15 to 30 percentile points above the national average. Really? Now, no matter no matter how you cut it, that's a big deal. That doesn't make any sense though, because when I was teaching, we actually had to teach to the test. We would devote two to three months of prep time in teaching the kids how to prep for the essays, yeah. how to fill in the bubbles. Like we spent a lot mm-hmm. of class time. Homeschoolers mm-hmm. are not doing any mm-hmm. of that. But really, yeah. that's a huge number. It's a big number. Now, now there there are debates. I mean, you could sit sit down, Brian Ray, with other researchers, say, yeah, but what if, but what if, but what if, if we what if we controlled all the variables, background, you know, moms and dads, education level, teacher certification, ethnicity, income level, all that stuff. Okay. In some studies, it's not that big a difference, you know, maybe a little bit above average. But think about this again. But even if they're just on par, like exactly. Yeah. What happens? And what happens if we do this? What if we do the perfect study? What if we do five perfect studies? We get to control everything. Yep. And we even randomly assign kids to public school, homeschool, private school, but we'll never get to do that. You know, we do the perfect study. What if it turns out the same on a yep. test? On the test. But think about this. That was without fourteen thousand dollars of your neighbor's tax money. That was without government certified teachers. That was without professors of education telling you how to teach your children or, or your, their curriculum. Well, and That's you're just being gone all day from you and missing and all, yeah, yeah. all that. There's so much involved there. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm really not surprised. I mean, when I first started doing the research, I wondered and, and I thought, but you know, like we, we talked about before, if there are maybe only three or four children in the classroom, you can customize for each child. Uh, you have adults who love them deeply and care about them. You have flexibility. Uh, you can stop for the teachable moment. You don't have to worry about bullying and metal detectors and all this stuff. Children probably are going to do well on a standardized test. Mm-hmm. On average, they're probably going. Now, I want to say something for the parents who are listening and saying, yeah, but my child's below average on the test. Okay, again, Relax. <laughs> relax number one number two statistically speaking had she here she been in institutional public school scores probably would have been even lower so or, yeah very keep, least the same so it's not like keep, you're doing a keep that in mind yeah keep that in mind and we, we also have you know of course at the very beginning people said how can parents who are not certified teachers their children learn but well we got a lot of evidence that they're learning okay academically and then they what about socialization everybody went, what about socialization and again this is going to sound like the broken record on average home educated children are doing better if not as well in terms of social and emotional and psychological development 80 7% of peer-reviewed studies show the homeschooled are doing statistically significantly better in terms of social and emotional development. Well, and the and then, question I wish we could find out and track with people is who has actually been homeschooled. I talked to deans of admissions at universities across the U.S. about this, and they don't ever ask, were you homeschooled? So when we talked to them about how the students are doing, they said, unless they self-identify, we don't know how many of our students here actually have been. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the beauty of it is that they homeschoolers blend so well <laughs> mainstream, like secret operatives, right? It's like you, yeah, just, yeah. you don't even know until you ask a class, by the way, did any of you ever learn privately at home with a mm-hmm. teacher mm-hmm. and all these hands go up and you're like, Oh, Oh, I had no idea. You're also right. normal. 
Uh, right, right. Yeah, it's it's really you, you you identify one of the problems for homeschool researchers. It's a challenging group of people to study sometimes to identify them, to get them to engage in the research. Uh, but yeah. but on that note of adults, I mean, you're talking about young adults usually in college. We now have uh, a number of studies on adults and how are the home educated doing in quote the real world. Mm -hmm. And again, back to the broken record, 69% of peer reviewed studies found that the home educated are doing significantly better than their peers out in the real world of different things, including college. So that's better, where we are right now. In terms of like health and mental well-being, how much yeah. money you're making, what, do you, what do you, how are you measuring better? Many different, many different measures like alcohol abuse, uh, uh, political tolerance. I mean, think of that one. The negative critics forever said, oh, the homeschool, they're going to be narrow-minded. Brainwashed, yeah. And politically bigoted, you know, but there's one study, only one study so far compared to political tolerance in terms of things like, hey, even if you totally disagree, should books you disagree with be allowed in your library? Or even if you totally disagree with somebody's worldview or religion, should they be, would you welcome them in your neighborhood? Guess what? The home educated were more politically tolerant than the others. Hmm. That's very interesting. interesting. That's fascinating. I'll, I'll, it's, go, go look at our website and people can go to the research and click on the fact sheet. Okay. It's, it's our yeah. menu, research fact sheet, and you'll find it. Okay, good. I encourage listeners to go check that out. So then yeah. um, if I can jump into the second question that I'd asked at the beginning, the second teaser, um, because right now this is a consistent topic, I think, in the public eye. So I asked about ways to welcome families from all backgrounds into homeschooling. Yes. And I loved how you started from the beginning because I hadn't even thought of this, the Birkenstocks and the Bible thumpers and everything. In between. <laughs> um, traditionally, you know, I had been under the assumption that homeschooling was faith-based white majority, but you're telling me it's not. And I love that you're pushing back on that. Mm -hmm. So how do you see um, the homeschool community growing to continue to include families from different faith, economic and race backgrounds? And can you help, um, I don't know, define for us what the pockets are or for listeners who might feel like they are other, right? Telling them in such a way that they realize actually they may not be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of blunt and you Please don't. Please. <laughs> but, but I just want to say to anybody, anybody listening, anybody in any of these quote pockets or you're not, you're, you're a mom or you're a dad and you care about your children. And in the homeschool world, there are now millions of moms and dads who care about their children. There are hundreds there there are in every single state, there is a statewide organization on homeschooling who's been around a long time time and they might be operated by people of a particular faith or way of thinking. However, as far as I know, almost every single one of those organizations serves anybody and everybody. Okay. That's my first statement. Go there, be yep. there, go to that organization. And even if you feel a little like other, go there and learn from these people and enjoy each other. Please do that. Secondly, and, and this, again, and this is not a new thing. This goes way back. This goes back 30 some years ago when my wife and I were moving to Washington State. We went there for three years from Oregon. And there was one big state organization that was kind of like secular, run by secular. There was another organization run by Christians, felt more like Christian. And you know what? Whatever. <laughs> That's like, there. there's so many 
peace is available to everybody. Mm-hmm. If you if you feel a little offended by this group, hey, go find another group. But get engaged with the group. Uh, and again, like Ann and I were talking about earlier, not just newbies, but get around a group that has the veterans in it and the newbies. And if you're sensitive or super sensitive about certain issues, go find another group. It's such a big, it's such a big population now. Yes. You can find one where, you know, you fit your, your comfort level. But I, I would say in my experience and the vast majority of homeschool organizations, even if they have a particular philosophical slash religious worldview, they are very kind mm-hmm. and they will help you get going. And if you get there and you go, well, I'm just not that philosophical religious worldview, they'll help you out and get you pointed yeah. in another another direction. So let's let's get over some of these sensitivities. And and every once in a while, are you going to run into somebody who's insensitive and mean? Yeah, but that's life. Okay. Let's meet move people on. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we meet yeah. them all everywhere. But yeah. there are many, many, many opportunities in the homeschool world now for everybody. It's it's out there. It's out there. Go for it. Don't ditch homeschooling just because you haven't found your community yet, is what I hear. Yes. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's a good yeah. way of putting it. Okay, good. So in prepping for my conversation with you today, I was actually reading an article that NHERI, I keep wanting, I should just say Neri, <laughs> and not um had not only had impact on home education in the United States, but in other countries around the world. And what I was reading was saying, you know, Japan, Poland, Colombia, Russia, South Africa, those were mentioned, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Or others, I don't know. So, could you talk uh, briefly about what you're seeing happening with homeschool internationally? Because some of our friends listening are actually around the world. Yes, yeah, all the all those places. I can't even remember where all we've been because it becomes a blur for me. <laughs> we've been through Czech, five years. Yeah, <laughs> we've, yeah, we've, we've been through Czech and Slovak and and Germany and and all these places. Uh, it's just incredible what happens or what's happening, and. It is growing all over the world. Home-based education is coming back. It's coming back. Let's all remember that, coming back. It never disappeared. For thousands of years, it was the norm. At the same time, what we see is that there are people, both in the United States, and you know this, and in these other nations, who, I don't want to use too strong a word, really dislike the idea of parents (laughs) being in charge of their children rather than the state or rather than quote the professionals or the quote experts, they don't like parents. Now they use the rationalizations or the excuses that they're just looking out for children. But I'm telling you, for most of them, it's it's about control. So we see homeschooling growing and they'll say, well, we saw this one, we saw these five families and the parents did not do a good job homeschooling. Or we saw this one family out of very many, 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 many who did some bad things to their children. So now we got to change the law mm-hmm. and control homeschooling and have them report, have them be accountable. In other words, we got to make homeschooling be more like the institutional public school. Now that's a horrible idea theoretically, because one of the beauties of home-based education is it's not like the public school system. It's so, the flexibility of it. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. So we see a lot of change around the world, a lot of growth. Um, and I'm not going to speak too much to the legal aspects, but that's one of the battles is either making the law such that homeschool is not prohibited or in a particular nation, making it welcome and open. And so we see people battling for that and, and want to give a big plug to HSLDA. They help homeschoolers all over the world to be able to uh, recognize and honor duty and right of parents to be in charge of their children's education. There are people working on that all over the world. And I'm telling you, it's, it's breaking out. 
is breaking yeah, up. Homeschooling continues to grow internationally. I met a couple just the other day moving from the United States to Uganda who were Uganda, Ugandan um, natively. And they're mm-hmm. moving back and they've got three kids now and she's trying to figure out how to homeschool them because mm-hmm. that's how she wants them to learn when mm-hmm. they get to Uganda. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got folks following us uh, like they follow you from all over the world, trying to figure out how to make this work in their countries. So my hat's off to them. It's always hard to be the pioneer anywhere. And this is so worth doing. So yeah, I celebrate what they're doing. So Brian, you've spent a great deal of time here with me today, and I am so grateful to have you. But before you go, what final thoughts do you have for our friend listening who might be new to the idea of homeschooling and just thinking about it? Keep in mind that Parent-led, home-based education, and I've used that long, clunky phrase on purpose, <laughs> Anne, is, is what, what it is. It's not just about test scores. It's not just about will they be socially well-developed. <clears throat> it's about being with your children, being involved with your children, enjoying your children, crying with your children, fussing with your children, arguing with your children, laughing with your children, and and you getting to be involved in their lives in a way that you could never be. People will say, yeah, but I know after school, I pick them up and I take them to soccer and we have dinner together. Okay. I'm glad if you do that, but home-based parent-led education is a way of living. And it's a very different way of living than institutional schooling. You'll never understand it unless you do it because most of us were institutionalized most of our lives and we don't even have a clue of what home-based education is like. So it's a way of life that's very rewarding. It's very good for your children. It's parent-led. So that means you may get help from others. You're not just on your own. I'm not saying you shouldn't get help or be involved with others. And, you know, and when you're finished with, parent-led home-based education and you've loved your children and you've put your best into it, there are no regrets. Mm. You cannot blame anybody else. You cannot take all the credit for all the good things because other, other influences in their lives, but there are no regrets about having spent time with your children and giving them the best that you had. That's a beautiful way to picture it. I don't think I've ever met a parent who said, I wish I had spent less time with my kids. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you again, Brian, for joining me on this podcast. I remember reading once that um, President Mike Smith of HSLDA, who we've been talking about a bit today, said their organization had lost track of how many times you have been called, you specifically, over the last three decades to help establish the validity and success of homeschooling in courtrooms across the country. On behalf of all those who remain faceless and nameless who are being supported by your work, I just want to say thank you. We're grateful for the legacy of education freedom you have helped foster here. So thank you for all your efforts. You're welcome. And we've enjoyed doing it. It's been fun. (laughs) And thank you, friend, for joining us today. I hope you're walking away from this conversation feeling more equipped to teach the ones you love. See you next time. Thanks for joining Ann Crossman on our podcast, helping you homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. We invite you to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date on the latest resources. See you next time.